0: in line with our process that we're going through as a, uh, you know doing discipling and uh, teaching each other how to um, make disciples and what the great commission is Um, we've got a message this morning it's a resurrection message but it's also a challenging message asking of us to come see and go tell And uh, that comes out of a verse that we're going to be looking at this morning. So I'd like us to, if you do want to go there with your Bibles, Matthew 28, and we'll be reading from verse 1. Matthew 28, I use the ESV, so uh, I normally preach out of the ESV and uh, just standardize it. There's other scriptures, uh, uh, different versions that are different, but I choose to normally prepare on the ESV this morning. So uh, reading from verse 1, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to go see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. Just Just want to mention to the kids here, what this means doesn't mean that the angel killed them. It means that they fainted. They became like dead men. They fell over. They got fainted because they were so fearful. So, don't ever think that the angel killed these, uh, these gods. Let's carry on in verse 5. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where he lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Now, I want you to think about this, ladies. How would you react to a little drama like this? you've got one thing in your mind, think about the discussion you had with each other as you were approaching the tomb, thinking about what you're going to do. Maybe there's still anguish. Maybe there's still, there's still heartache. Maybe there's a lot of tears still running. And we find here that when they get there, it, you know, it's almost like a Hollywood production. All these things are happening around them. And the one that they seek is gone. And then they get told by an angel that, um, oh, by the way, he's gone off to Galilee. He's waiting for you there, which in actual fact, if you could read previous verses that he actually told the disciples, he'll, he'll meet them there. So this is no new stuff to the disciples. They knew Jesus gave them a point by point uh, direction of what was going to be happening. But we find that at the crucifixion, he's not, they're not there nowhere to be seen in fear that they might get crucified as well. That was the fear that they had. So um, it's interesting that when we look at Easter in, in our context, it's, it's, in, it's, in, it's uh, in autumn. But in the time of Christ, this was happening in springtime in the Northern Hemisphere. And it speaks of new life. It speaks that the dead now lives. Darkness is gone, and there's a kind of a warm sense of a sunshine. Of, of happening on people so if we if we think about people in the world i was just just put on the telly i haven't looked at news for quite a while and i just put it on and i just realized again that the war in the ukraine is still carrying on and in actual fact that russia has now intensified its attack on the major cities again it's not coming to an end and i can imagine what those families what what is their easter like because there's some christians there what are they saying to god this morning you know, we, we, we say Jesus is risen, and, and, you know, we're excited because we're in a great place. But what happens when you have no running water, you've got no, no toilets, you might have no food, um, and you're sitting in a helpless situation, how do you rejoice in the resurrection? How do you rejoice in that? And I think sometimes we forget how tough people get it, how, how tough people have it. I can remember there was a, there was a story that I, that I read once. There was a, um, a missionary from, from uh, or a pastor from, from China came to the U.S., and he was doing a bit of an itinerary, uh, you know, trying to raise funds for the, for, the, for the Chinese church many, many, many years ago. And um, the pastor came to the pulpit, and he said to them, Um, you know, brother from China, we're so sorry for, for the, you know, the way that you've got to serve Jesus, you know, being martyred, being underground and everything. And then when the Chinese gentleman came to the front pastor, he looked at him, he says, actually, I feel sorry for the Western church because you have it too easy and you don't understand what it is to take up your cross daily not in that intensity that we have to, you know, we've got to, we're underground. We never know where the next church service is going to be. We've got to kind of let it come through, and people have to meet somewhere with, with a possibility of being martyred every time they go to church. How do we, how do we respond to the resurrection service or to the resurrection message if, if that is our daily, our daily cross that we could be killed at any moment? I mean, Indonesia, just down the road, pastors are disappearing overnight, never to be seen again. How do they, maybe they're in a dungeon, maybe they're in a hole somewhere, how do they respond to the resurrection message? Easter, and especially the Resurrection Sunday, carries good news. Because it's not about what happens around us it's what's happening on the inside. It's quite interesting. Paul writes, he says, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. Not easy circumstances. We find that most of the encouragement that comes from Paul's writings comes from prison. And it's not the type of prison that we have at Woodford, where you have three guys to a room that have television, they have four meals a day or three meals a day, Wonderful. That's not the prison that Paul talks about. He's talking about a hole where there are rats that are his companions. There's no light. There's no running water. There's no sewage. There's no toilets. But yet he says, the joy of God is my strength. And so when I think about the terrible things happening in the world, I realize that it's only the joy of God, the inward resurrection power of God on the inside of me that can make me feel okay, that can make me say, this is fine, this is just temporal. There will come a time that this will pass because I will go from one, one place of temporal calamity into glorious presence of Jesus. And we have to understand there are people this morning that are in despair in Australia. There are people this morning that are afraid of what tomorrow holds. There are people that are afraid to go to work or for people to say, am I going to get work this coming week? And we don't sell the benefits. We we sell the assurance that he that started a good work in me will complete it. And the way that that work will look is up to him. It's not up to me. It's up to him. And I've got to be okay. And I'm going to use maybe not very good pulpit language here. We've got to be okay with the cards that we are dealt. We've got to be comfortable with that. We've got to be okay with the calamity. We've got to be okay with the, with the bombs falling around us. We've got to be okay when people ostracize us at the office for being a Christian. We've got to be okay with that. We can still smile through that because our life is not dependent on happenings. It's dependent on an inward knowing that he that started the good work, he that is within me is greater than he that is in the world. And that is what we cling to the indwelling spirit, resurrection power that, 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 is, that must be there, must come out when Satan comes in like a flood. God says he raises up the standard. We're not afraid to be ostracized. We're not afraid to get a no when we're telling people the good news of the gospel. Can I hear a bit of an amen this morning? You agree with what I've said? No other religion or following can lay claim to the fact that their leader died, but now lives. Buddha, still in the ground. Muhammad, still in the ground. Confucius, still in the ground. Jesus, they can't find him because he's resurrected. He's risen from the dead. Paul says, for I delivered unto you as of first importance that I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. This was not just a fluke. This was a plan. It was strategic that God will take back that which man had lost in the Garden of Eden, and God will restore it back unto man through Christ. For we are the righteousness of God in Christ. I want you to hear that. That's not boasting. That is acknowledging what Scripture says about you and I. You, Dave, are the righteousness of God in Christ. Philippa, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. We need to lay claim to these promises, and we need to express these promises. In our, and, 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 and I think sometimes we have this sense, this, this sense of false humility. Oh, I don't want to make too much of myself. Well, God calls you a son of the Most High God. It's not, it's not bragging in myself, but it's almost bragging in God and saying, God, look what you've done. Look what you've done. In Isaiah 53, we heard this morning, the Messianic prophecy, it speaks about his death, his burial, his resurrection, and his exaltation. And they that will die with Christ will also be risen with Christ. And he's coming to fetch his church, a victorious bride without spot and blemish. A victorious bride, not a bride that's trying to just well, I hope he still loves me. I, I hope we're still gonna have the wedding. Ladies, think about your marriage day. Did you ever think about that? He was not gonna come to the altar on that day. I hope some of you say, Yeah, I did. <laughs> I hope not. No, there was an expectation of he's 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 gonna he's, when I walk down the aisle, he's gonna be there and he's going to make me his, and I'm going to make him mine, and his banner over me is going to be love. Church, we're the bride of Christ. We're excited for Jesus to come. We're excited to be led by spirit every day into the new purposes that he has for us. For out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied by his knowledge, shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous. The resurrection makes us righteous when we accept him as Lord and Savior. He will bear their iniquities. Your sin has been taken care of. All you need to do every time you fall into sin, you confess it as sin. You repent and you move on. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. Look at each other this morning and say, we're strong in him, church. We're strong in him. We're not just trying to make ends meet. The people in Ukraine that love Jesus, that care for Jesus, they don't care whether they are sitting under amongst rubble this morning and partaking of his presence. It's okay if the bombs are falling around it's okay. Why? Because we are still knowing that Jesus is coming back to fetch us, that he will strengthen us in this calamity. He will take us through this thing. And if He doesn't, well, then we say like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Well, if he doesn't, then it's okay. We die. It's this abandonment that we have to have. You know, Jesus was poured out, and I think uh, we, we need to be poured out on the altar not hold back, just poured out to him. Because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressions, yet he bore the sins of many and makes intercession for the transgressions. I want you to take note of this. And he does what? He makes intercession. He prays for his transgressions. Sometimes we just want to take people out because they oppose us. Jesus looks upon them after they've given him vinegar to drink. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's an understanding in Christ, even in his humanity, that God is doing something purposeful, and God is doing something amazing behind the scenes. And I want to say to you and I this morning, God's doing something amazing stuff in the background that He wants you and I to discover. There's some things that are only found through pressing in and finding out from Him, God. What are you doing? I don't know if any of you have ever played hide and seek with the kids. Yeah, we played some hide and seek. Well, here's an interesting bit: hide and seek. As a parent, I wouldn't hide. So well that they wouldn't find me for three years. I would hide in a manner that I knew they could find me. And that's the way God works as well. God says, "Seek me, and you will, you'll find me. If you will seek me with all your heart." You see, there's got to be that commitment. I, I know my, my kids, you know, when, when they would close their eyes and they do the counting, and I mean, they are determined to find me. I mean, they will look under a chair that they know I'm not, but they will see if I'm there. With all their heart, they are totally abandoned, wanting to find me. Shouldn't the bride of Christ be so determined to find the bridegroom and seek him that he might be found? this is the resurrection Christ we're talking about. On Good Friday, he was taken outside the walls of Jerusalem to a hill called Golgotha, called the place of the skull. It was the place where all the bad people would be killed. He was taken there. He was hung on a criminal's cross between two criminals. His words to his captors were, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 3 p.m., Jesus cries out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he dies. Everybody leaves. Jesus is taken down, and he did not even have his own grave prepared. He gets given a grave. A borrowed tomb, they call it. It's the end of another day and the beginning of the Jewish Sabbath. And the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees and the elders say, sorted that guy. Let's move on with our plan but God's plan doesn't end there. The layman Bible commentary puts it this way, behind the grave there awaits the greatest exaltation for the righteous servant. God's plan involves the suffering of his son, but also great honor to follow. The servant's selfless act of obedience will yield blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace, as the centuries move forward. And it's moved right into 2022 and we're seeing blessing upon blessing, grace upon grace, and we're able to gather this morning and rejoice in knowing that He started a good work in us and is in the process of fulfilling that is. And it's, it, it, we don't need to know what that looks like. What we do need to know is that I will be with you until the end of the age. I have sent you the Holy Spirit that will guide you into all truth, I've sent the Holy Spirit that will convict the world of sin. And then I want you to go along and find these people that I've convicted of sin and disciple them and tell them the good news of the cross, of the resurrection. That's our plan right now. And I love this. Um, I don't know who said this. Um, I couldn't find where, where who said this, but it, it says the tube was opened not to let the body of Jesus out but to let the world see in. How powerful is that? Because if you go to the grave today, people, there are millions of people that go to the tomb and all of them come back with the same story. It's empty. It's empty. Whether this is, whether this is a, a believer or a non-believer, all of them say the same thing. Jesus isn't there no more. It's not a closed tomb with an epitaph. It's open. We can walk in and we can see that there's nothing going on there. So let's get back to my last, my four words that I believe that every single, every single Christian needs to have part of their vocabulary. We read from uh, Matthew 28 verse five. Do not be afraid, the angel says. For I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. As he said, come, see the place where he lay. They were shown the empty tomb, then sent out with a message to tell the disciples. Where am I? Then it goes on in verse 7. Then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you. There you will see him. So the, 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 three, the three words that I, the four words that I want us to look at, and it's kind of the title of the sermon this morning, the first one is, come, come see. You see, to everyone this Easter morning, Jesus was supposed to still be dead in the tomb, because that is the way temporal things happen. Somebody dies, they get buried. He's been betrayed by Judas. He's been forsaken by his disciples he's been denied by Peter, he's been tried by the Sanhedrin, he's condemned to death by Pontius Pilate, he's been crucified at Golgotha, he's buried in the tomb of Joseph Arimathea. That's the historical what happened. Then they're told to enter into the tomb to come and see. Not stand outside. I want you to know that he is not here. I want you to walk into the tomb. A lot of people say that's pretty creepy. Don't know who's ever. I don't know if you did this as kids. We always used to dare each other to go walk through the graveyard at night. Don't know if you ever did that. Maybe it's maybe just a South African boy thing. And then, of course, what we would do, we'd have somebody under a sheet somewhere, okay. And then we would prove each other's manhood by who would scream the least. Everybody always screamed and everybody always ran. But the world today, there is a similar invitation given in the scriptures, like the morning. Like, like that morning, and we're too called. And, and we, 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 when, we, when we disciple those that are not born again, we, we kind of tell them, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. God wants to reason with you. God wants to chat with you about your life, about your future. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. If you're thirsty, God wants to give you nourishment. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, I want to give you rest. So the message that we, that we bring to a broken world is not that one of condemnation. It's one of hope. It's good news. God wants you to come to him. He's already, he's, he's already, he's already come through the Spirit, but he wants that, that understanding for us to, 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 to tell people that God is here. He, he's interested in your life. The second thing is we're told to see. Now, what were they supposed to see? Well, come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles He performs for people. I mean, if you think about it, what was the thing that differentiated the ministry of Jesus to that of the Pharisees? Miracle upon miracle, blessing after blessing, grace after grace, mercy after mercy. That's what He did. He brought good news to people. And if we are to be the ambassadors of Jesus, what message do we bring? Good news, not that of condemnation. We don't try and convict people of sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. We disciple those that God brings along to us. And we tell them, you know what? You might think that your life sucks right now. You know, it's okay, because sometimes I think my life sucks as well, although I'm a churchy. There are times that I think my life is just no good, not acceptable, but that's why, just like you, friend, I need a Savior. I don't have it together. I don't presume to be perfect. It's quite interesting when you speak to a lot of people that are not Christians, they say, oh, I'm not good enough to go to church, thinking that everybody that comes to church are good. God says there's no one good except Jesus. So we tell them as well, listen, we're going to the emergency ward on Sunday morning because we need some help. There's something that's messed up that we need the surgeon, the Holy Spirit to look into and rectify within that hour and a half that we meet together as a body believers. It might be a physical thing that we want God to reveal to us. It might be an emotional thing. It might be a social aspect uh, a struggle that we're having with, with somebody in church or, or having in, in our family, and God comes along and He says, this is what you need to do. And it's not always the nice stuff. He doesn't always give us things to do that are nice. You know, I, I, can, I can remember when I spoke to somebody a while back, somebody that's just given their life to Jesus, uh, the person said to me, you know, I feel so guilty. I said, why? They said, because I thought this person will never, ever come to Jesus. And I actually want to almost give up on this person and say, I'm just going to stop telling them about Jesus because, and then when they're not around, they give life to Jesus at home all by themselves. And when they go to church with this person, it's their first communion because it's a communion service. And this person looks at this other person and says, Oh, listen, let me explain to you what the communion is. Uh, This is what it is. So actually, you can't partake because that's not, you don't understand what it is. Although, I just want to give a, side, a little bit of a side trivia. Did you know that um, John Wesley gave communion to everybody? Saint sinner? Because he believed that by taking communion, that act can be a step for that person to get saved. It's quite interesting. I, I never realized that about John. He wasn't as conservative as, as we thought. He also had groups that he called connection groups with an X in. I mean, pretty, pretty, pretty millennial, eh? You know, we're going to have connection groups with Xs, you know? It's quite interesting. So he was, he was, he was, a, he was a withered old guy, you know? But what I want to say to us this morning is that we have to understand, we want people to come and see. We want people to come and see. Tell them to come and look at your life and say, listen, this is the way I try to live for Jesus. I don't always get it right, but I want you to come and look at my life. I want to be, I want to be completely transparent to you. It's not a hierarchical thing. And I, don't want, I want to say this even. Age doesn't mean you're more Christian than a, a kid that is 16 years old. Age has got nothing to do with it. I said this a few weeks back. I said maturity is how much you allow God to use you. That's maturity. It's not about your age. So let's not look down upon our children. Let's not despise them. Let's allow Jesus to work through them. Let them give us prophecy. Let them come and lay hands on young people and, and get them in. Let them come lay hands on you. When you're feeling ill, speak to a Bethany. Say, Bethany, come pray for dad. Lay your hands on me. Let's go get some oil, put some oil on me and pray for your dad. Whoops. I can remember we were, uh, 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 we, we, Arona must have been, oh, my goodness. She must have been about five or six. And uh, the one day we were doing home visitation. And or when we did home visitation, we took all the kids' with So, you know, it was kind of an invasion, you know, when we did, when we did pastoral care. But we walked in, walked in with her, and it was quite interesting. As Arona went and sat all by herself, and she was looking at this lady that we were at, and there was no apparent thing to think anything. And she comes to Tilla and she says, Tilla, mama, we need to pray for that lady. I think she's I think she's feeling sick. This is a little five-year-old. So, you know, um, Tilla asks this lady, listen, what's the deal? And she just bursts into crying. She says, I've been having a migraine for the last week. And it's really tough even for me to sit here. And so we got Arona to pray for this lady and she was healed from that immigrant immediately just there you see it's not about how much scripture you know it's about who you know in scripture (laughs) that's what it's about and it's not about oh i hope it happens if you've done the act that's fine but get into that step of saying, this is what, I need, to, I need to come closer to people. I need to let people see me. I need to let people see Jesus. Come and see what our God has done. He performs miracles for his people. The, the third word is go. Go and learn more about Jesus. Go to God in prayer. Go in the spirit, allowing him to live through us. Go to the world where there is a need of the resurrected Christ. Go. Come see, go. What's the third one? What's the fourth one? Who reckons they know what the fourth one is? Go tell. Okay, we're gonna end with that one this morning. It was Henry Ford that said this: those who walk with God always reach their destination. Pretty wise stuff. You want to find out, you wanna you want to stay in your purpose, you want to get to where God wants you to be. Quite easy. Quite easy. Just follow God. Allow the Spirit to lead you into all truth. The women were commissioned with a very important message, mainly to tell the disciples what they'd just been told to do. It's funny; the angel just said, "He's not here. This is what you need to go. Go tell the disciples as he has already told them." Just what—it's kind of a, like a a reminder text message, like a snooze button. You know, in the morning when you know you're supposed to get up and you don't get up, and it goes off again. It says, "Oh, by the way, you should have got up already." It's kind of this reminder. Listen. I am alive, and you need to go where I told you, to the place called Galilee. One Easter day near the end of his life, W.E. Sangster wrote this to his daughter, and I think this is quite powerful to end with this morning. Oops, there we go. It's terrible to wake up on Easter morning, and, and that's what happened. He, he wasn't able to speak no more. He had lost his, his capacity to talk. It's terrible to wake up on Easter morning and to have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. But it would still be more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. When we have the capacity and we don't do it, what a wasted opportunity. We don't really should care what family thinks of us, should we? So will you have a look around at the family this morning and ask them, are you going to shout he's risen with me this morning? Those guys in the back box there, are you going to shout with me this morning he's risen? Are you ready? You guys want to stand and do it? Or you want to jump and as you do it? Okay, we're going to get all penty on you this morning. All right, let's all stand. Those on Zoom as well. Come on, get your family together. So I'm going to count to three and then we're going to shout at the top of our lungs. He is risen. Are you ready? You want to loosen some muscles first? Anybody want to loosen some muscles? Yeah. Are we ready? Okay, we're all ready. Okay. One, two, three. He's risen. Woo! You want to do that one more time? Let's liberate you a bit more. One, two, three. He's risen. And they say three is a holy, holy number. One more time, He's risen. Amen. Let's take hands across the altar. We're going to pray this morning. Let's, I want you to, do, everybody, hold hands. I know. Well, get close enough if you can. Lord, we just break any COVID that will try and jump on people right now. <laughs> All right, there you go. the joy, the joy. There's a, there's, a, there's a spirit of laughing happening here. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, we pray this morning that as a church family, you will open our eyes to see the risen Jesus. In the picture of the empty tomb with the stone rolled away, may we experience that same resurrection power in our lives to point to the continued transformation of our attitudes, and of our actions, and of our lifestyles. Thank you, Jesus, that you are with us till the end of the day. And now may God himself, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. And we say all together, Amen.